Hey everybody, this is Brett. And I'm Christian. And you're listening to the Gilded Films Podcast. The very special first ever Academy Awards edition. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet, folks. Cheers, applause, no blackface, everybody. Hello, welcome to the Gilda Film Podcast. If you didn't know what the heck was going on there, I was completely silent because we are finally at this point where we are talking about the first Academy Awards, 1927-28, where the films were silent, the people had faces as Norma Desmond would say. And as always, it is I, Christian. Hello. And to Brett, hello. Hello. And we welcome back the one, the only, the Zay. Did you say the Zay? Yeah. Did you do this before? Yes. <laughs> I think I said the same thing. <laughs> it trips me up every time. It's called product placement, okay? Uh, um, for only three payments in 1999, you two can have me on your podcast. <laughs> And so it begins. <laughs> anyway, yes, uh, like I said, we're talking about the first Academy Awards. Very different than what it is today, like extremely different. Um, Brett, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so the first Academy Awards, like Chris said, very different. One of the ways they were different in that they did not cover just one specific year. No, they had to make things really fucking difficult for us. And that like they were celebrating both 1927 and 1928, or at least the first half of 1928. Um, at the time, they only had 36 voting members uh, when it was founded in, on January 11th, 1927. The ceremony took place as a private dinner on May 16th, 1929 at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. Um, so the Oscars themselves were founded by Louis B. Mayer. Uh, but they were hosted that year by um, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences president, the first president, Douglas Fairbanks. And so um, it costed $5 to get into the ceremony, which I think I read was like $74 today is what it would cost for a ticket. And it only took five minutes as the winners had been announced months earlier. Um, five minutes, wow, that's crazy. 12 categories of awards were celebrated that night. They were not yet known as the Oscars. They were just the Academy Awards. And like I said, films released after July 31st, 1928 were going to be eligible for the next year. So like I said, they made it very difficult on us to decide how we wanted to do this and what movies we wanted to talk about. But still, historic. First Oscars, the first Outstanding Picture Award, as it was called at the time, went to Wings. They also had a second Best Picture-esque award called Best Unique and Artistic Picture for only this year. And that went to Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. 
They also had two director awards for dramatic. It went to Frank Borsage. Should I hope that's how it's pronounced for seventh heaven, the comedic best director award went to Lewis milestone for two Arabian nights. They also did not have any supporting acting awards at this time. So best actress went to Janet Gaynor for three films. This is the only time that actors, actresses could, could win for multiple films. She won for Seventh Heaven, Street Angel, and Sunrise, and she was the only woman to win anything that night. Best Actor went to Emil Jannings for two films, The Last Command and The Way of All Flesh, the latter of which is now lost, as you'll see with some of the films that came from these years, the silent era. Uh, Seventh Heaven and Sunrise led the way with the most wins, each getting three. Seventh Heaven actually had the most nominations with five. And an overall fun fact from Christian here, Assuming none of the copyrights expire, um, so films made in 1927, what their copyrights will expire in 2023, and in 1928, they will expire in 2024. Yeah, reading a lot of these IMDb fun facts, it's like every single one of them had that little bit of info in there, and that's only three to four years away from now. I yeah. thought they changed it. Maybe. Uh, maybe. They might have. The, the Sonny Bono-like thing? where it's like 75 years after whoever created it dies. Oh. I mean, aren't these people all dead? Yeah, but it hasn't been 75 years since their death. It's probably not for all of them. Interesting. I'm going to go back and kill them all early. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, very, very, very different. A lot of categories that we don't see anymore. Um, a lot of categories that still exist to this day, but overall, very, very different. Um, one of the big differences, obviously, being that all of the films nominated were silent films, you know, at least for the most part. And so um, it's actually pretty, pretty, I don't know, pretty awesome that they all still have survived to this day. I know we'll have some with at least one with like the next few Academy Awards that is now lost. And so unfortunate but yeah we got to watch all these so what we're going to do since there are two best picture categories we do recognize both of those and so we're actually going to start with our first category here which was best unique and artistic picture which is no longer around and that year there were three films nominated there and so are <laughs> we ready to jump into these three that's what it is will ever be <laughs> okay. at least for this first one all right can our, i just can i just preface the title of this one yes yes go ahead it's what i can do what, hey you can do whatever you want to with this one it is what i've been texting the both of you every time i bring this movie up but this movie is chang 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 went the trolley <laughs> go <laughs> well, i'm is. not introducing this one yeah, it, it is not as happy as Christian just made it sound. It is Chang, a drama of the wilderness. So this is a really weird case in that this film was technically considered a documentary. So, I mean, technically, we actually have had a documentary nominated for a Best Picture Award, though not really, um, because a lot of the footage here was reshot for higher, you know, dramatic effects and whatnot if they didn't like what they originally had taken. Um, but basically, um, this is the story of a man named, uh, crew and his family 
who lives in, at the time, Northern Siam, and the documentary crew that basically follows them around as they live in the jungle and try to, you know, go through their lives. It, it's just hard. It's a hard movie to define because what basically happens is that they kill a lot of animals, shoot a lot of animals, um, hunt them down, and there are animals like leopards and elephants that are, you know, um, showing up on, you know, where they live and sometimes cause some issues. And so the film jumps into very brutal scenes of them, you know, trapping, killing these animals to try to prevent or, I don't know, alleviate that, I guess if that's the word to say. This was made by Marion C. Cooper and Ernest B. Shodsack, who actually um, were the directors behind King Kong in 1933. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't really know how else to describe it. It's a man and his family. They live in the wilderness that the film is kind of an exploitative look into that, you know, their lives and, um, their involvement with their local tribe and how they move from place to place after elephants destroy their home. And yeah, that that's literally about it as in terms of plot. I mean, that's what happens. And basically it goes into them building a new home and whatnot and living their lives after that. I'm obviously, you know, I'm not anywhere near a fan of this movie. I think that's something that we would all agree upon. Um, it's, I have trouble even calling this a documentary because it's so amazingly clear how, that so much of this was staged though they, there are like ethical things to consider here, such as like that's, you know, some of the people being filmed actually were in danger at times. And, you know, just this brutal depiction of, um, you know, these killings of animals and everything going on here. It's not a film that you watch for enjoyment. It's not a film you would watch for educational purposes. It's not that kind of documentary. So I don't know what it's there for. I don't know why... I mean, the Oscars do some pretty weird things, but the fact that this was nominated for a Best Picture Award is pretty wild to me. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to, what else to go from here. So I'm going to turn it over to you all and get your thoughts on this one. Well, I do have to say, I detest this movie. <laughs> and quite possibly one of the, probably the worst best picture nominee I've had to watch for this podcast in my esteemed opinion um I was literally I think I was like 10 minutes in when I was like I messaged y'all and I was like there's goat violence and that was just like the beginning oh I'm just looking at my notes and I literally wrote down look at the neat animals wouldn't it also be neat if we harassed them yeah I think I wrote that when the, the little boy is just like taking baby animals out of a box just so he could mangle them. I thought he was going to choke that poor little Angolian thing. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God. And then I literally, I also made the, the comparison to the 80s horror film called Cannibal Holocaust that was deemed really inappropriate because of all the violence done to the animals in that movie. And it's nothing compared to this damn film where a dog attacks a lizard, fucking goats get attacked, they shoot a fucking leopard. But other things, I don't remember everything that was in this. 
oh my god it just made me sick it made me sick i didn't like this i sound like pose a conservative with woman who came out to see a john waters film <laughs> But I, I don't know, like I can watch through anything and just see an animal violence. I'm just like, nope, 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 nope. That's not, that's not it. That's not it. And I did not expect animal violence in this. I was expecting something more along King Solomon's minds or something, which also had a little bit of animal violence, but I think it was just the one snake. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't, I don't trust these documentary people. I don't know what they did. I just know they were doing things they shouldn't have been, and I don't approve of this film. Throw it away. Throw it away. Do you Christian. notice that, like, do you notice, like, every time you join us, there's always that one movie that's either set in Africa, or in this case, like, it's <laughs> India, that at the time I always say, this is the audience of the day looking at the exotic of it all. Yeah. I'm tired of it. Yeah, I mean, this is that. I mean, I, in this case, I guess we're in a forest, or the jungle, whatever. Um, but no, basically what these two said, it's, uh, it's not pretty at all. It cost $4.99 to rent. Thank you to Toby for letting us all watch that. <laughs> yes, yes. Shout out Toby for letting us <laughs> this watch was, this. This was like the hardest movie to find, and yet of all places to find it, a, a Vimeo, where you have to then purchase it. Yeah, uh, it doesn't hold up at all. I don't know. It's like, it's, to me, it's a forthcoming of what King Kong would be, but King Kong is different because that's not like a real situation, mm -hmm. you know? But I, yeah, mm. not, not very, I mean, I, I don't know. I was entertained easily. I'm easy to please, I guess, but I'm never going to watch this again. I'll never care about this again. The, the one part that entertained me, and it wasn't so much like entertainment, like, oh, this is good. It was entertainment as it like it made me laugh was the damn reaction shots from the monkey while he's running. That seems, <laughs> you can tell that that was so staged. Oh, that yeah. Th there's staged. no way. But did we mention how they make the fucking Gibbon talk? They give him dialogue. <laughs> yes. Get him, boy. That, too. <laughs> that was the other thing. Attacking the poor baby elephant? That's the other, they yeah, they were attacking a fucking baby elephant. Yep. Oh my God. If I could talk to the animals, walk <laughs> with the animals. But no, that scene that you mentioned Zay, where the kid is like pulling the animals out of the box, the baby animals, on top of just being like really brutal and cruel, it's a weird, weird scene. Cause it's almost like presented as a way of like, oh, what's he gonna pull out next? <laughs> Oh, it's a baby monkey. And like, it's, it's a real, and then he like manhandles them and throws them into this crate. And can you imagine yeah. though, if it's like not, if that scene isn't good enough, they're going to make this kid do it again too. Yeah. Oh. It's like, you need to pull that thing. You need to pull this one out better. This one a little slower. <laughs> this one freaked you out. You didn't but. throw that one hard enough. And uh, oh, that so one's dead. Get the replacement. <laughs> the ethics Honestly. of documentaries though. <sighs> yeah i think it's just such a common thing especially with like early documentaries from this time because if you think about no nook of the north it's it's another one that's like exploitative but also like very much staged uh the the two directors that did this also did a movie called grass oh, which is like God. about a group of people like making a giant migration and christian and i had to watch that for a documentary class one time very 
like this, very slow to sit through. I don't there think they have talking out. animals, but there was walkouts. There was walkouts. It was so funny because that was a class where like the instructor asked for thoughts afterward, and this kid was like, "It sucked." And <laughs> yeah, he, like God, I remember him. Yeah, he like the the instructor like got onto the kid and was like, "Okay, I need something a little more than that." And the kid never came back to class. No, that. That, no that was it. Because <laughs> <laughs> he sat right next to me. <laughs> I want to make a film that does that to someone. <laughs> but yeah, I you know I honestly there's there's no redeeming qualities here. The, the know, inner the title dialogue. Is, no. The thing is that we laugh at this. But at the time, this is like a huge movie. And this is something people have like barely ever seen before because we're starting to get into like where movies are movies. And then we have like a sound boom, whatever. But like nowadays in 2020, it don't hold up at all. No, no. It don't hold up in hell. It don't hold up three years later, probably. Well, yeah. no, because I brought up Cannibal Holocaust. And like, yep. the, like that movie is nowhere near as bad as this. Isn't that like, that's like 1980s too? Yeah, mm-hmm. 60 years apart. Yeah. F- fucking Reagan. <laughs> How does he always come up on this podcast? <laughs> Nancy, they mentioned me again. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so the I don't know if you call it fun facts, but the facts on this one. Luckily, this was the only nomination it got from the Oscars. Um, like we said, technically the only quote unquote documentary nominated for any sort of best picture or film Oscar, uh, was commissioned after the unexpected success of Cooper and Shodzak's 1925 travelogue grass and nation's battle for life, which made the kid leave our film class forever. Um, many scenes were restaged that they turned out unsatisfactory for the filmmakers budget for this was about $95,000. And it was one of the biggest hits of the year. No wonder they had the Great Depression a few years later. (laughs) Uh, One idea uh, to publicize the film was to show it at zoos to have animals see themselves. Oh my God. When I read that fun fact, I'm like, is this a scene out of Madagascar? No, this is like... (laughs) This is this is David Lynch. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and yes, uh, obviously, the filming of the animals would today be very, very unethical. It was unethical then. Yeah, just fucking assholes. Never oh a good god. thing. Yeah. So I that's. I just want to point out that we rarely talk about documentaries in detail on this podcast, and it's it, this one it, exactly. <laughs> Uh, remember in 2015 when we thought what Amy was going to get a Best Picture nomination? Good times. That would See, be I'm cool. thinking there's so many documentaries that should have gotten. I know that's the one like in most recent. Yeah. Memory. Hoop Dreams probably came closest. Well, I don't know because it didn't even get a Best Doc nom. So. I think Fahrenheit 9/11. Mm-hmm. That is very time of the day. I don't know. Maybe we will see it someday. The pessimist in me says probably not but yeah I don't, I don't know if it was ever established that although i do this podcast to be with y'all i never agree with the academy awards and they're the bane <laughs> of my existence <laughs> that's why we have great content here i mean 
you'd get a different show if I agreed with the Academy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that chain. So good. <laughs> Oh, those elephants. Those are scary. (laughs) Oh, geez. It's a more violent jungle book. (laughs) Just as racist. Yep. That is Chang. We didn't even mention the racist part. Yeah, (laughs) no. The animal violence. (laughs) Just the the very othering of the, the native people. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. It's just an ugly movie all throughout. I hope we influence somebody that to go see it. Be like, damn, what are they talking? I want oh, I gotta see this. <laughs> well, <laughs> just Google it because you can find it again for $4.99 to rent. Not worth it. All right. Any other thoughts on Chang before we move on to a I'm so glad I'll never have to think about this movie again. Yep, nope. No repeat viewings for me. All right. Christian, you have got our next one, so go ahead and take us away. Okay, so this is going to get good, finally. <laughs> finally, as if we've only we've done like five of these. Anyway, so... It felt like film, five. Right, the film is called The Crowd, and it is directed by King Vidor. It is from 1928, side of all of this, and it is about a man named John Sims, played by James Murray, and he was born with his father saying that he's basically going to be a great person. Something is going to be special about him in life. And he pretty much spends all of his life searching for that something. Think of the Lego movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, rip off there. Anyway, so he meets a woman named Mary because every good girl in these silent movies, their name has to be Mary. They immediately fall in love and he continues searching for who he is. Very good film. I would say great film. I think you both would say that too. Um, It talks a lot about being special and the whole situation of the crowd and being part of the crowd. There's really great crowd scenes in this. So I mean, Leslie, yeah. Um, But no, this is a very hard movie to find too, I will say, Mm because we all had to watch it on TCM. We had like a day to watch it before it expired. So there's that. a lot of good filming in this from Vidor, uh, the crowd scenes. But yeah, I really enjoyed this. Like, I was moved by it. I don't know. It feels like it's such a simple story, too, of are you a special person in this world or are you just another member of everything else? Just keep moving along. Will luck come your way? I don't want to spoil it, obviously, because people should see this whenever it is on TCM. And it should get a Blu-ray release, but who knows? Where is that? Where is it? So, but yeah, this is the crowd and it is phenomenal. I really love this movie and I'm glad I watched it for this podcast because I don't know how long it would have taken me to get to it regard otherwise. Um, yeah, to the point that I wrote like two pages of notes on this one. Ooh. Yeah. Um, it had me the whole fucking time. I was just like, oh shit, oh shit. Because you, you tell someone, you're like, it's the story about a guy's life? And you're just like, that's basically the premise. <clears throat> for his purpose. Yeah. Which, it's kind of like, it's hard to differentiate that from the other movies from around this year. Because a lot of them are about working class people who feel like they're just a cog in the machine trying to figure out what makes 
affected their lives special in comparison to the other cogs in the machine which this is this one's very much this one's thesis um it's just it's just filled with so many interesting characters like i really like um mary's family when the like um whenever they say something and the brothers and um especially when the the man says something and she's like what what do you say and then the brothers have to like repeat it to her every single time <laughs> that made me giggle um keep going Brett you go I have to think I didn't highlight my notes <laughs> yeah yeah I really enjoyed it as well I I thought it was very mature in ways that I wasn't expecting especially from a film from this time um, and, and very relatable in a lot of ways. Um, you know, that, that just that feeling that you are just one in a big crowd and how Vidor is not just doing that in the themes of the film, but like there are scenes where the lead character is literally caught in the middle of a giant crowd and trying to find his way out. And that, that marriage just works really perfectly. Really, really great cinematography here too. Like there's a scene near the beginning where they like, ascend up the skyscraper and into his office and down onto him. And I'm like, holy shit, that's a great shot. Um, Eleanor Boardman, who plays Mary, I thought she was the star of the show here. I really like James Murray in the lead role, but she, I thought was just pretty phenomenal. Um, yeah, I think I really just, it's found it really easy to feel, you know, feel with this character I think a lot of people get in that situation where, you know, this realization that the the so-called American dream is a fraud and it's reserved for a very select, you know, people, um, you know, wealthy white folks. And um, this idea that he is always holding out for this big job that he really wants, but it's just nearly impossible for him to get that. And so, yeah, Christian, like you're pointing at yourself, I think a lot of people, especially in our generation with the economy that we've been subjected to, can feel that. But yeah, really good stuff. Really well-directed film. Really good you know, screenplay, good performances. Really good all around. Really somber but rewarding movie experience as well. I like the fact that it's on the cusp here of the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. And it's... It is sort of a hopeful movie, too, because it does end happy. Again, no spoilers for the most part, I guess. No, um, not for everyone. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's not like it doesn't look ahead into the future, I guess, which is only going to be, in this case, a year away from what will happen to everybody in terms of, you know, it's the Great Depression. Everybody goes broke. Yeah. Except, of course, I guess the billionaires. But even then, they some of them do. And they jump from buildings. So, going back to my notes. Um, the one shot that I really fucking loved was when we first see him at his desk. And we go in and we see, like, hundreds of identical desks. I thought that shot was so fucking cool. I don't know if they, like, built something to make it look like an um, optical illusion, like mirrors or some shit. I don't care. It looked amazing. Did you watch this on TCM too? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember what they said in like then inspired that scene? No, no. I I didn't see the intro. I I watched it on my TV, and for some reason they don't use the intros on the app, and I don't know why. Gotcha. It's the the opening of the apartment that was influenced oh. by that scene. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. 
Um, I also, I lost it. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. And then like when he um, finds his dream of like writing for commercials or whatever, <clears throat> I think that's interesting too, because it's so like, oh, you're part of the system, but we're going to make you feel like you're special. But I looked it up. They went $500 for that. That's like $7,000 now. Ooh. Oh, they got a good chunk of change for that. Wow. I wonder because he like he he does that first time and then like buys all this stuff and I'm like wow he must have got paid pretty handsomely for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. I mean, how I get five hundred dollars now, I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> Wouldn't change my life, but you know, this is a good film for I don't know, like people getting fresh out of college, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but again, you can't find this movie anywhere. Oh, one other scene I really liked when he um, quits his day job and he like starts to sell things and he has the vacuum and he goes up to the woman and he says, you wouldn't like to buy one of these, would you? <laughs> like, that's <laughs> so non-confrontational. I'm like, that's how I'd sell shit. <laughs> this film uh, does have some humor in it too. Which it I does. Like it. I, I appreciated that because otherwise it would be a real downer. Yeah. Up until like the hopeful end because it's mostly about well life's kind of shitty but there's these small moments in it that are making pretty pretty nice yeah definitely and i agree christian like i if they were to come out with a blu-ray for this that would look so beautiful it's just because it's such a well shot silent movie oh that'd be awesome i wonder why they haven't i don't know i don't have the rights who produced it what was the studio mgm mgm yep so it should be on criterion should easily have access to it then i think warner brothers probably has the mgm collection yeah and then Mm. warner brothers has criterion or they're like in hoots this does feel very much like a criterion type movie too so that wouldn't surprise me at all Yeah, Christian, do you want to run through our fun facts real quick? Indeed. So this is nominated for two things, Best Unique in Artistic Production and a Director of a Dramatic Picture for Vidor. Joseph Farnham wrote title cards and won for this film and various others that he was a part of in 27-28, being the only person to win an Oscar for Best Title Writing, something that you we do not have today. Uh, Louis B. Mayer despised the film because it was depressing and heaven forbid had a scene containing a toilet <laughs> oh my god louis b mayor he didn't like the toilet oh, but he liked, liked to abuse women i was literally about to say he liked touching little girls <laughs> well look at that our minds anyway uh, <laughs> this is also assumed to be the first film to feature a toilet but because there are so many films that were lost before this it can only be an assumption for now. Vidor hid cameras to capture actual crowds and traffic on the streets of New York. One of the first 25 films to be inducted into the National Film Registry way back in 1989. Vidor avoided casting big name stars to make the characters feel like everyday people, which I think was a really good decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Variety wrote that this was a quote, a drab actionless story of ungodly length and apparently telling nothing what do they know? And the saddest of the facts, so I won't say it's fun, James Murray, who was the star of this, succumbed to alcoholism. While panhandling, 
King Vidor recognized him. He offered him a role in the semi-sequel of this film that actually exists. Um, and Murray refused, thinking it was only out of pity. He died in 1936. And then for the rest of his life, Vidor tried to raise funds to make a film called The Actor that was going to be based on Murray's life. But it never, it never came true. So. Wow, that is really sad. Yeah. Damn. Way to bring us down, Christian. <laughs> Animals were not abused in this one. Uh, there we go. As we know. Yeah, true. <laughs> but yeah, any further thoughts on the crowd? Lovely, lovely, lovely little picture. Yes. If it's ever on TCM, because again, that's the only place you can find it. Yep. Be well, looking out for it. Watch it. We've got our back alleys. If, if we had our back alleys, wouldn't you think I would have found it for us there? <laughs> Maybe so. You can always try. I searched. <laughs> My child. <laughs> All right. Well, now we have our first Best Picture winner, the winner of Best Unique and Artistic Picture, the only one to do so. Christian, will you take us away with this film? Yes, this is called Sunrise, a song of two humans, and it is directed by F.W. Murnau. And it is the story of a man, that's the character's name, I suppose, played by George O'Brien and his wife, played by Janet Gaynor, and a married couple. One day, the quote-unquote woman from the city, played by Margaret Livingston, comes into their town. She seduces the man very easily, and she says, hey, buddy, why don't you kill your wife, all right? You can drown her. And he says, okay, why not? Give me a little action on the side. Little WAP, if you will. Oh, my God. <laughs> and as he's contemplating uh, drowning his wife on the boat, he has a second thought. She kind of catches on to it, and she runs from him after they get back on land, and they make their way into the city. Uh, and in the city, they basically have a reconciliation with one another. The rest of the film is them getting back together and growing their marriage. It's a very simple plot. It's a very lovely film. It is considered one of the best films ever made, and it truly is. Uh, beautiful sets. Janet Gaynor is very good in this. George O'Brien is very good in this. Even Margaret Livingston, even though that role is very small, is very impactful. Um, and it has really one good, I mean, it has a multitude of good scenes, but my favorite scene involves them in a, in a church watching a wedding going on. And that's like the realization point that the man has that he does in fact love his wife. And it is, it blew me away. Um, every time I watch this, I think this is my third time seeing this. This is the time, this is the time though that I have given it five full stars. I absolutely fell in love with it this time. Incredible worthy of being called a best picture in and of itself. And I do consider it part of the now 93 best, best picture winning films. So mm -hmm. we're setting cool. this, we are setting that into law because as much as I like wings, this is my favorite of the two. Yes. Agree. And it's, it's a perfect movie. It's just, I even looked up, I have this book with like a bunch of um, Pauline Kael reviews and she called it a near perfect movie. And if she's calling it a near perfect movie, you know, you got a goddamn picture right there. Yep. Um, yeah, I, this is my second time watching it. 
Um, it was one of those movies where after I watched it the first time, I was like, I kind of want to see that again. But it's something you just got to let it marinate inside your soul. Um, and then I heard the Unspooled podcast episode and I was like, oh, I really want to watch this again. But then I was like, wait, this episode's coming up. I can't, I can't just keep dipping into the gold. They made, I think they made me appreciate this even more too. It's like the way they talked about it. Yeah. Shout out to Unspooled. People that get paid more for it than us. Um, <laughs> don't do it's true. They got advertisers. <laughs> the people that um, get paid, period. <laughs> Brett, we know you're sitting on that podcast. Oh, now. yeah, you know, <laughs> just rolling in. If you're um, looking for an apartment, check out apartments.com. <laughs> <laughs> Squarespace. Um, no, but it really, it's just, it flows. It's like kind of episodic, but it flows so well and so dreamy. And to have like the director using so much like German expressionism in this film. Like I'm so used to German expressionism used in horror films that to see it in such a calming and romantic nature just really makes the film just stand out so much. You know, and just having like ghostly figures of the woman over his shoulder and uh, it's just so they don't be they're not making films like this anymore. I wanna see this shit with uh, the tree woman and uh Hates the gays. Whatever. Scarlett Johansson, Chris Pratt, they ain't doing this shit. When you said hate the gays, I was like, that could be anybody. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I first saw this movie in a class that I, I enjoyed, like, the content of the class. It was, like, a film theory class, but, like, but I, I did not like most of the movies we watched in that class. We watched a lot of Eisenstein and things like that, which is good on, like, on a technical level, but, like, Oh God. And this was like by far the best one we watched in class. So I've always kind of wondered like, do I really love this film or do I just love it because it was so superior to every other movie we watched there? No, I really love this film. It's like, I've always considered it one of my favorite silence, you know, probably top five that I've seen. Not that I've seen a huge number, but it stands up there. And it is just so well made, great performances all around. I agree completely with what you said, Zay, about Murnau and using German expressionism. I mean, like, this is the guy who did Nosferatu. So it's kind of cool to see him use some of those elements here. The shot of George O'Brien, like, walking along with the moon um, as he's, like, walking toward... I think it's when he's walking to, to the woman in the city to, like, meet up with her. That's just an incredible, incredible little shot there that's so simple but is so effective. And there's a lot of those. Um, the I do. The cars is really good too. Yes. Yeah. I agree. And I think, you know, I, I, I understand. I've seen a lot of folks that just have trouble getting past the kind of weirdness of this plot in that the man almost kills his wife and she forgives him rather quickly. And I totally get that. For me, it just... It, it doesn't impact the film in a way that it lessens it for me. I think it just, it, it ties together in, in a nice weird way that makes it work. I also think a lot of silent films and films of this, this era oftentimes took really big dramatic steps to get their point across. And so I think this is another example of that where it's about 
rekindling love and having a reminder of what we can't do without. And with George O'Brien and Janet Gaynor being the two to lead the performances that bring about that theme, it just works perfectly. So yeah, I agree. Near perfect movie. It's, it's like an example of the amazing things that a silent film could do despite not having all the technology that would come later on. Yeah, I do want to touch on that. Well, because when I first watched it, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird that he's going to kill his wife. And then she's just like, oh, it's okay, sweetie. <laughs> um, but I think that helps with like the German expressionism of it all, because I mean, silent movies are already kind of weird compared to like real life and how films would change drastically in just a few years with the addition of sound and the fact that cameras would have to be completely different just to, you know, because the sound of it all. Um, but because of all the like, German expressionism stuff in it, it just feels like one step away from reality. It just feels like we're watching like an alternative universe, one similar to our own in the Twilight Zone. Um, no, but I think that's where my suspension of disbelief really helps with that aspect in particular. Um, so yeah, I also give my suspension of disbelief freely. Yeah. My therapist says I need to work on that. <laughs> it is really nice that after, you know, she runs from him, there conveniently is a little trolley and they're living out in the middle of nowhere, tiny little provincial village. And then they conveniently leads them to the big city. Yeah, I will say they did like literally travel all the way across the lake though because like i didn't realize it when i first watched but like they literally like have to get all the way back across the lake to get back home at the end of the movie but it is very interesting how the trolley just shows up right in that moment mr roger sent it <laughs> but yeah christian do you want to go over the fun facts for this one yes uh this one three things so unique and artistic picture it was the one of three Best Actress wins that Jana Gaynor had won, so one of the three movies, and Best Cinematography. It was also nominated for Best Art Direction. It was the first feature film released using Fox Movie Tone System, aka it had an actual soundtrack. Um, I don't know how you two watched it, but the scene where they're like walking and the cars all crash into one another, there was sound in that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's original to the, okay. the original film. The version I own. Okay, because everybody's like, rah, 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 rah. So, okay. um, inspired by Murnau's own work in German Expressionism, as we've said, uh, where the sets are almost an exaggerated fairy tale. Murnau hated using title cards, the, thus they become more infrequent as the film progresses, which I did notice that. I really but, like that. I yeah, love that choice. I don't really think you need them halfway through this. I think you get the picture. Yeah. Uh, released a month after The Jazz Singer, and it failed to connect with audiences who wanted films with actors who could speak. <laughs> the city street set cost $200,000 it is AFI's 100 years 100 movies number 82 and then I put the little fun fact of girl that wig though because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Janet Gaynor it, it's a very rough wig I yeah. also want to mention that uh, the story of F.W. Murnau's death is a doozy do share because I don't oh, know just about it. Leave us oh, on a cliffhanger. Okay. <laughs> so I had to look this up to make sure it was right. He uh, was 
driving up Pacific Coast Highway, AKA where a lot of people die, and the driver happened to be a 14-year-old Filipino boy. Yeah, uh, the rumor has it that he was getting a little frisky with F.W. Murnau, but he died in a car crash, um, supposedly, yeah. Well, it gets weird because I guess in 2015, the skull from his grave was removed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, but I'm reading from this article here, wax, I'll, wax, I'll, do, yes, you know what I'll, is going on. I'll return it when I feel like it, okay? Oh Get off my ass. Isn't he already on there? You know what I thought of when you said that was that episode of SpongeBob where they're like, Nosferatu. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, wax residue was reportedly found at the site, leading some to speculate the candles had been lit, perhaps with an occult ceremonial significance. There's Nosferatu. I, you can't convince me otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, it was Willem Dafoe. <laughs> I was about to say, if you want to know more about him, watch Shadow of the Vampire, which is the making of this world too. Yeah, this yeah, this movie is is really really great, um, and it is unlike the crowd. You can it's very easy to find. It's been well preserved, so check it out. All right, any further thoughts on Sunrise before we go to our next category for the first and only time ever? It's a perfect. It's a perfect film. Chef's kiss. All right. So yes, uh, for the only time, we will be moving on to another category, which is best outstanding picture. The year after this, the Academy decided that this was the category that was going to stay and become the best picture. I tried so hard to find what their reasonings were, and I could not find anything. Yeah, I couldn't find very much on just unique and artistic picture in general, which is kind of weird. But yes, but our first nominee here is a Charlie Chaplin film from this year called The Circus. Um, So in this film, Chaplin plays his usual character, the tramp. And he is, as usual, he's um, penniless, hungry. He is um, accused of being a pickpocket uh, because he he basically just handed this guy's wallet by the police, um, thinking it's his. It's really funny and weird. Uh, but he is chased to the circus where he basically joins and blends in to escape capture from that situation. Um, they basically, you know, the circus owner basically decides to put the little tramp in his circus. Uh, but they discover that he's only really funny when he doesn't intend to be funny. So pretty typical Charlie Chaplin stuff. Um, along the way, he does befriend the ringmaster's stepdaughter, Myrna, um, who, you know, he obviously has an attraction to and falls in love with and tries to, you know, get her to fall in love with him. Things become complicated when a new tightrope walker comes in and um, gains her attractions um, instead. And so we kind of just follow the tramp as he, you know, navigates the situation, navigates the abusive ringleader of the circus. Um, in a way to kind of help Myrna um, kind of get away from him as well. And it kind of goes along with that. And, you know, his experiences trying to be in the circus and trying to be funny, even though it doesn't really work when he's not trying to be or when he's trying to be. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. For me, I, I did enjoy this film quite a bit. Um, it is definitely very funny at times. Chaplin always has those scenes, especially those big ones that are really, really notable. Here, I think it's when he's on the tightrope um, and, you know, when he's not supposed to be and nearly falls off like a hundred times. But in comparison to other Chaplin films I've loved, like City Lights, Modern Times, The Kid and whatnot, it's not quite on that level, in my opinion, um, both in terms of just the story and the laughs and the overall film. But I am, you know, I did enjoy it. I'm glad Chaplin got some attention here at the first Academy Awards. It's very fitting. He won an honorary Oscar here, and it was a really complicated situation that I don't understand, so Christian's going to have to explain at some point. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's good. It's good. It's not normal Chaplin-level great for me, but it is a good, funny film. So, thoughts? Uh, just like you, it's not my favorite of his stuff because I really enjoy City Lights and Modern Times and The Gold Rush. Mm. really like The Gold Rush. Um, no, it's good. It's cute. I don't know. He seems to do the same things over and over again, which I think growing up and like at the point when I was discovering these older films, I really enjoyed because I was so used to Charlie Chaplin doing that. But now I'm dr I've noticed I'm drifting towards liking somebody like Buster Keaton more. Hmm. Because even though he yeah. does he does a little bit of the same gags, but then it's elevated even more. Yeah. Well, so I always know that Charlie Chaplin is playing the little tramp who gets in a little bit of mischief and that's the story. Yeah. Maybe there's some romance, but yeah, it's good. Keaton seems like more of a daredevil to me. Like yeah. some of his sets were just so like dangerous and whatnot, but yeah. I disagree. I quite like this film. I would list it in his top films. Oh. Does Name. it have Name five. <laughs> are you? No. Why are you challenging me? It's right up there with the Great Dictator, Modern Times, City Lights, Gold Rush. I think it's up there, right with those. I named four. The Circus is the fifth one. <laughs> those are my top five. If I had to name five, those are my top five. And I just think, I don't know, I'm just, as a person who was a performer and I like do comedic styles, I just really, listen, when he was at the fun house, I was just rolling. I was just like, <laughs> this is everything. When he's just like fucking acting like he's like one of the machinery, I'm like, holy shit. I like, I understand that, again, suspense of disbelief. I don't know. He's moving pretty accurately to me, and I do not understand how the fuck he did it. And when he stole that baby's hot dog, hilarious. That is comedy gold. That is very funny. I agree. You put mustard on it. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. I, I understand it's not a plot-heavy film. Um, it's basically him having hijinks at a circus. It's, yeah. I think maybe that's why it's not one of my faves. I don't know. I guess you can say that about really any of them. I haven't seen, I don't know. I haven't seen them in such a long time, but yeah. I don't know. I, I just liked being in it. I didn't really need to follow a story for me. I also just like movies about circuses. 
even though I hate circuses, but I like the movies for some reason. I will say if there's any like setting that does seem like fitting for Chaplin to have a movie in, a circus would be up there and one that I would expect him to have, you know, a film role in. So what do you think a good modern one would be for I like to see like the tramp do laser tag? <laughs> Just like tripping over all the barriers and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> or paintball? The tramp does parkour. <laughs> oh my god <gasps> it was like early 2000s he does skateboarding <laughs> <laughs> i would watch that 100 percent. the tramp gets himself into a maga rally somehow <laughs> <laughs> no no i did well, like how like the ending of this was very unexpected because it's not like it's not the type of happy ending i expected like i i don't want to maybe I should reveal this movie is, you know, almost a hundred years old, but you know how it doesn't end with like what you would expect a, a normal, you know, funny, happy ending the way I would think it would go. So it was kind of nice. I'm unexpected. Um, but yeah, like I said, this did win an honorary Oscar for Chaplin. And from what I understand, this made it ineligible to win this most outstanding picture prize. I think basically they felt that he was going to win. Like he was going to sweep these awards because he was Charlie Chaplin. So they were like, oh, just give him the honorary stuff. Revoke everything. Gotcha. Interesting. Well, otherwise, it was, it did get, you know, um, three nominations here or four nominations here, all for Chaplin, obviously. Best picture, um, director of a comedy picture, actor, and original story, all for Chaplin. But we wanted to include it anyway. Yes, of course. And yeah, and like Chris said, they felt he would likely win every single award. So they took him out of the running for the competitive Oscars. Um, Chaplin went through a messy divorce where a lot of his personal sex life came out in the spotlight and then had legal IRS troubles during production. He doesn't mention the film in his autobiography and kept it out of circulation for 40 years, most likely due to the stress in making it. He was using them tight ropes at the house. <laughs> Which brings me to a Golden Girls reference where Blanche is like, I, was, I could have fell and chipped a tooth. <laughs> there it is. Uh, this was Chaplin's final film of the silent era. Those city lights and modern times are quote unquote si silent. They do include and incorporate significant amounts of sound. Um, in 2010, a rumor was that a woman walking in the background in one scene was holding a cell phone. Ooh. Yeah, uh, I remember that was such a thing, too. Interesting. It was like a hearing aid. <laughs> yeah, right. Hearing aid. What's that, sweetie? <laughs> uh, and filming for this film lasted 11 months. So, you know, tying into that troubled production, had to put up with it for almost a year. So... Yeah. Good Chaplin movie. Um, definitely, you know, definitely worth checking out. Any final oh. thoughts on that one? On that one, no, but I'm about to take a quick nap, y'all. <laughs> um, wake me up when we get to the movie after this. Okay. I was literally about to say, I'm going to time this to see how long this one takes us to even get through. <laughs> it should be a quick one. It even has the least it amount of fun facts. <laughs> 
you know, it, it probably is one that's probably fairly easy to sleep through, although it is <laughs> only an hour and 24 minutes. A lot of these films are really short, I will say. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, don't take much time to get through. Um, okay, so our next film is called The Racket. And I'm just, I'm literally going to read the IMDb plot because I don't really remember the plot well enough. Um, <laughs> it, is, it says, an honest police captain vows to bring down a powerful bootlegger who is, who is protected by corrupt politicians and judges. Um, so yeah, the, you know, the cop, the police captain is played by Thomas Megan. Um, Louis Wolheim plays Nick Scarcy, who is like the gangster. This is kind of like a prototype cops and gangsters movie i would say um it, it's basically a lot of what you would expect there's a gangster he runs the town this cop vows to bring him to justice and he does so in the end spoiler alert sorry not that you would really care um with this film yeah i don't know i i think for me i i personally don't think there's a lot in this film that is like aggressively bad like in chang but it's just that there's nothing to it. Like there's nothing going on here really aside from like what exactly what you would expect from this type of movie. And so it's not very memorable in any way. Um, thoughts. Yeah. I'm just gonna leave it at that for now. I don't remember a single thing about this. <laughs> All I know is that there's bootleggers because <laughs> it's the twenties prohibition is a thing. I, yeah. Um, firstly, I continue the tradition of going to the library to get this movie, and once again, I got the remake. This is now the third time this has happened. Um, I might watch it, but I don't know. This is pretty <laughs> bad. It's got, like, Robert Mitchum in it, I think? Hold on, it's right here. Yep, I just looked it up. Robert yeah, Mitchum. Yeah, it's Robert Mitchum. Yeah, it's a Howard Hughes production. Oh. Um, but, um, yeah. It, it just watch like any Bugs Bunny cartoon where they're just like making fun of gangsters. I think you got the same thing. <laughs> I just, yeah, I watched it and I immediately forgot about it. That's on YouTube if y'all want to watch it. It is. It's free. I wouldn't pay money for this. Um, that's the racket. Yeah. I will say, though I don't remember a whole lot, I did write some notes down. I don't know about the version that I, you, I guess you watched it on YouTube. I noticed the music was directed, or not directed, it was dedicated to Peter Bogdanovich, which I found like really weird and interesting. That was weird. Um, there's a point in this where a guy says, they banged my old man. And <laughs> <laughs> he means that like they shot and killed him, but it does not come off the same way now. And I got a good laugh from that. What's the other one that you told me about? <laughs> Um, they say, because you affect me like a mammy song. Oof. That was another common theme in movies <laughs> of this time. <laughs> also, Racism in Hollywood? Y'all should be proud through this discussion. I ran and used the bathroom real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not even joking when I tell you, I don't remember most of this movie. We're such good film critics. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I will say one thing that I will credit a little bit for is that it does like present the system and the politicians and judges as corrupt, which I was glad that didn't like glorify that, but it also doesn't like 
hard lines say that it's kind of something you have to figure out as you watch the movie yeah i think that's what i appreciate but let's not give them too much credit because a lot of the movies around here were very anti-system that's true that is true and really like this i mean there was probably more before it too but this little quasi gangster movie walked so they all could run in a few yes like pre-code ones were the best of them yeah yeah, I, I think of it as just a prototype and there's just not much to it. So, but like Chang, luckily it did just get the one Oscar nomination, happened to be for Best Picture. Um, thought to be lost until a print was discovered in Howard Hughes's personal collection obtained after his death. Makes sense that he produced the one that Zay rented. Um, it was banned in Chicago for the controversial portrayal of, of corrupt police force and city government. So that's the racket. Any other thoughts on that one? It's or, funny. It's a silent movie, but it's called The Racket. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Thank you. Dig it. The racket, story of a ball. <laughs> God. Mm. All right. I think we talked more about puns for this movie than we did the movie. <laughs> All right, that's it. What was the timing for that one? That was like five minutes. Oh, wow. That, that's more than I thought. <laughs> it still might be a record. <laughs> All right. So, Zay, I believe you have our next movie. So I sure do. It's called... Seventh Heaven. Um, so Seventh Heaven, it was it was on for quite a few years. Um, I it's about a family. Is it a religious show? I think it's a religious show. I knew this was gonna happen. Um, I know. We I don't think they're allowed to show it on TV anymore because the dad is a pedophile. Um, was anyone famous on that show? No. Yes. Was there? Misha Barton? Is she <laughs> famous? Yeah, you, you really pulled out one of the A-listers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jessica Beale. Oh, oh yeah. it did. <laughs> it was on ABC Family. That's on I know this because like every day after school in December, I would have to wait for that show to end so I could get my 25 days of Christmas on a family. <laughs> yeah, see, that's how I, I was like, oh, Seventh Heaven, that, that channel's not in use today. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, Seventh Heaven, directed by Frank Borzaghi? Borzage? Probably Borzage. Borzage. Sorry, Frank. Um, <laughs> basically, it's about this woman who is a sex worker um, and she's abused by her, her roommate slash boss lady. I can't really, I didn't really get whatever it is. She's damn beating her ass in the street because she gets in trouble with the landlord. And then this man fucking pops up out of the sewer like Mario and is like, I'm here to save you. Um, <laughs> and it's just a really sweet movie. There's some like, interesting politics in terms of like gender and stuff going with it that looks different like almost 100 years later um but it's a very sweet and tender film it's complicated it's a very complicated romance i think i'll go with that 
um to where at first he's like i don't fucking like you i'm just waiting for the cops to come and take you away blah 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 blah. because he rescues he rescues your event for first from the woman and then pretends to be married to her or to be your brother he's married right he pretends to be married to her to get the cops away at first and yeah yeah but then he's like slowly like i don't know maybe maybe i like this lady's jazz and um he goes away to war and then there's an ending i don't think i'll spoil it but it's a very nice movie i really like this movie it's also surprised me as much as i like this movie because i have never even heard of it before this Janet Gaynor plays the woman. She is fantastic. I love her. She is great. It's yeah. A, it's oh, you first. No, Sorry. you go ahead. Okay. Oh, I. Oh my god. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. Okay. No, I really liked it too. Um, I saw it last year actually when I was watching all the best actress winners, so I'm very familiar with it. Really liked having to rewatch it though because I ended up still liking it pretty much. I really like. Uh, Janet in this super like Charles Farrell in this. Um, but no, it's just a it's a nice little drama, another little romance picture for Janet. It is a very complicated relationship that they have. And you really want them to get together, get together, like, but you don't know at the same time. It's like, are they right for each other? The best fucking shot in this film, and you both will agree probably, yep. is the trip up to absolutely yes to seventh heaven incredible like the first time i saw this i was floored the second time i see this i am equally as floored with how they did that simple system i guess but we'll might get to that incredible though the whole seventh heaven situation yeah yeah really that shot really works well with just the great production design and art direction going on here um with the setting i really liked it as well i i don't know I, yeah, I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. I don't really know why. Uh, but I've always just known this movie as like the one that kind of ruled the roost in terms of Oscar nominations because it got the most from this year. And so, you know, it was probably like if Wings was not going to win, it was probably going to be this. Um, and yeah, I really liked it. I, I agree. Janet Gaynor and Charles uh, Farrell Gaynor basically shows why the Oscars might have done that in the first year, you know, rewarding her for three performances because between this and Sunrise, like she's so good in both that, you know, I prefer her in Sunrise. Like I prefer that performance, but it's also like very close for me. I think they're both really great. Um, and yeah, that was my big thing too, was, was the shot that you mentioned Christian of them like going up. It's just like amazing what I love most about watching some of these silent films is just getting this sense of like, how'd they do that? You know, how did they do that way back then? And, you know, that sense of awe that, you know, sometimes when I see movies now, I don't get that as much anymore because technology is just so advanced right now. Um, whereas like watching a film like this, where you do have an amazing shot like that, that you know, Christian, I, I don't know how they did it, but apparently it was simple, but it looks really, really difficult to do. Um, and yeah, I also want to discuss how this apparently inspired the ending of La La Land because I don't get it. What I do get is how it might have inspired the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which like inspired La La Land because I think the plots are kind of similar too, where the guy goes off to war right after they fall in love, but I don't get the direct connection to La La Land. I agree with that. I found it on Wikipedia. 
Oh. And I don't know why I didn't follow the trail. <laughs> I, I failed. I was like the end of the night, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting fact. Gonna clickety clack. Good night. <laughs> Hold on, let me. I'm gonna go Google it. I'm gonna see if I can find the trail. <laughs> I obviously just should have looked harder. I just like read the fact and I was like, huh, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't either. Um, <laughs> that's why I found it interesting. But again, I was just so tired. Um, popular culture, yes, there it is. Reveals the movie. Um, it was a vulture article. Giselle said the wild ambiguity of the ending struck him as archetypal, (laughs) whatever, caradactyl of the genre. (laughs) Is Diane, who is the character, being, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is Diane being given a studio-enforced happy ending to to satisfy some mandate that these films should end on an up? emotional upswing has she finally lost her mind and in doing so hallucinated a vision of her dead lover to to chazelle it could work both ways he died but he's alive because of how deeply she loved him blah 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 oh so it's like an ambiguous thing it's very abstract to me like i think the whole epilogue situation yeah i can see a little more because of that I'm surprised this didn't get more popularity like after he said all this. I know because like when he talked about, you know, the films of Jacques Demy, I like went and watched Cherbourg and I watched Young Girls of Rochefort and like I feel like oh. a lot of people sought those out after he talked about those. But I, I don't you act like film Twitter watches anything that was before 1992. <laughs> Fair. But yeah, it is really good. Um, really sweet, um, nice romance going on here. And I really liked, enjoyed it. I liked the religious aspects that were brought up a lot in the film. I don't know if I... I guess liked, yeah. It just, it just I found it very interesting how it was interpreted, how he was just like, I'm an atheist. But then like mm-hmm. having her in his life is like starting to think of someone. Mm, I don't know, maybe God is... Maybe God is a woman. Hit it, Ariana. <laughs> can we afford that right is it in the budget we can make room for it okay cool <laughs> um i also the scene where the 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 other lady comes back in and she's starting to threaten her she starts beating her ass because now she has the confidence i'm like hell yeah, yeah. Fuck. beat her ass yes <laughs> throw her down them stairs yeah that, that part doesn't happen but, but yeah I was I I think it's a nice growth where it's clear both characters are getting something out of the relationship. I think that's what makes it mostly important to me. Yeah. That it wasn't just he was saving her or she's the person that comes in and fixes everything. It's yeah. It's not the healthiest relationship for 1920s. I I could I could live with that. Yeah. You can dig it. Yeah, I, I like, I was just surprised, and I know it evolves to the plot, like what his belief system is, but I was just surprised to see a main character who does declare himself an atheist multiple times uh, in a 1927 film, you know, like, you know, the Catholic church, a lot of churches were like in charge of censorship boards and whatnot. And so, but I, I do like the transition that goes on there and 
you know, the stuff between like, they have like this, like almost like religious telepathy going on at first. I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. But like, like you say, with the suspension of disbelief and the way it kind of connects them, it also ends up kind of cool too. Zay, do you want to run over our fun facts on this one? I sure can. We had uh, three Oscar wins for this picture for actress Janet Gaynor, director dramatic for Bruce and adapted screenplay. We added two additional noms for Best Picture and Art Direction. Um, <laughs> it did not inspire the faith-based television drama. Um, so I don't know if we actually talked about it, but the journey from the ground floor to the apartment, Seventh Heaven, was done with an elevator scaffold, um, which is neat. Gaynor and Charles Farwell went on to make 10 films together. Uh, Gaynor held the record for the youngest Best Actress winner until Marley Matlin won in 1987, for whatever that was. Um, the Children of a Lesser God. They sure did. Um, a huge success and helped establish Fox as a major film studio. And that's Seventh Heaven. Um, I unfortunately couldn't find First Heaven, Second Heaven, Third Heaven, Fourth Heaven, Fifth Heaven, or Sixth Heaven. <laughs> But it didn't seem to matter too much to the plot of this one. So I think you can go into this blind and you'll be okay. Yeah, I agree. I would agree. There's, there's, a, there's a man with knives for hands who comes in the second act. I don't know what that's about, but, you know, you just roll with it. <laughs> I, I still haven't seen the spinoff, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, that's good. Uh, Burt Reynolds sings a song in it. You're Burt Reynolds. <laughs> which, which one of you is the slut? I am. <laughs> wow. I, that is interesting. Janet Gaynor, 22 years old when she won this Oscar. I didn't I, know that. She's so young. She's wow. a baby. How does that make y'all feel? Uh, <laughs> Well, Vengeanae Wallace doing it out here when she's like seven years old. Listen, I True. just found out Samara Weaving was born three years before me, and I'm like, well, Ooh. time to pack it up. Yeah. But yes, that is Seventh Heaven. Any further thoughts on that one before we go on to our Best Picture winner? Great movie. Also on YouTube. Yeah, I was going to say it's yep. on YouTube. These are mostly on YouTube. Yeah, that's really nice. All right. Well, Zay, you are going to take us away with Best Picture this go-round. And so go ahead and introduce our final film. You just stabbed Brett to get this. Yeah. <laughs> the Still first recovering. time I think I've ever done the plot summary to... No, I think I did Out of Africa, didn't I? I I'm can't pretty... remember. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't I, just let, I just always let Brett do them. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway... Well, I mean, you finally invite me to one where the best picture winner is good. <laughs> um, no. Casablanca um, shaking. Okay, okay, <laughs> Casablanca. That was a bad year altogether, though. True, true. Um, okay, Wings, directed by William A. Wellman. Who the fuck is, how do you say that? I, I did not put that. I have never seen this person associated with this movie before. Oh, really? It's right there on IMDb. Why go on Wikipedia? Okay, Harry 
Diabati Diaros. Hey, yo, I like to give attention to the unspoken heroes behind some Who's of these movies. You uncredited. Know? I, I'm sorry to Harry. You don't get a name in history, and I don't know how to say your name now. <laughs> I apologize. Um, so Wings. It's about these two fellas who uh, are six feet apart because they're not gay. Um, uh, they're, in, they're fighter pilots who are just going and like doing dog fights and shit. Um, oh, and there's also uh, Jana Gaynor in this movie as well. No, no I'm sorry. I fucked up. Terrible. Listen, I was doing good without um anyway clara bow and they're both in love with clara bow um it's definitely not them secretly being in love with each other and they just found a catalyst in the middle definitely not that um but she's in love with one of them i forgot which one she's in love with i forgot the fellow's names um but she won't tell the other one because she's just like i gotta support the troops um and basically that's the plot is them just being in love with her but also being in war um yeah i'm pretty sure they're fucking homosexuals um you can't there's a scene in this to prove it i and i'm just like you can't convince me they're not i mean i get it men can be men's women have steel magnolias men have war pictures in order to show like friendliness with each other compassion um, but I don't know. This is pretty, this is pretty gay. The way they look at each other is pretty gay. Um, but yeah, I think they should have just became a nice little triad. And, you know, everyone would have been a little happy. But anyway, yeah, that's Wings. It's a great movie. Um, a lot of great, um, well, I guess they're not special effects. They're just actual fucking effects. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking, the cameras on the airplanes and having the actors hold the camera oh my god there's this is, chain may have been a dangerous this was also a dangerous film to be on the set true because i one person died one stunt person got injured oh and was back six weeks later interesting yeah wow yeah i um i yeah i really enjoyed this i i think it's like it's the spectacle picture of that year. They're, they're doing some really fascinating things here and, you know, getting to watch some of those aerial scenes, they are very, very thrilling and they are very impressive, um, you know, especially for that time. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not terribly surprised that it won best picture for that reason. Um, really like Clara Bow in this. Um, I think she like completely blew the two leads out of the water with her performance. Mm -hmm. um, I like the two leads, but I also like, I don't know. I, I felt like there could have been a little bit more there in terms of like them. They're definitely in love with each other for sure. Um, you know, who really just gets the shaft here is the Sylvia character that they're both in love with at the beginning mm -hmm. without like spoiling too much. Like she's there in the beginning and like, they're both in love with her. And then we have no idea what happens to her in the end. And so, I don't know. That was kind of weird. She got the Spanish flu and died. I, you know what? Probably. <laughs> but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed not just the aerial scenes, but like the scenes where one of the lead characters is on leave and like in the city and there's some interesting stuff that happens there. And, um, you know, I think despite its length, it didn't, you know, because this was, 
I think the longest by far of those that were nominated that we've talked about, mm -hmm. it didn't feel terribly long to me. Maybe it could have been cut down here and there, but nothing that, you know, seemed extreme. Um, and yeah, you know, I enjoyed it. I, I don't think it's on the level of something like sunrise or something like that, but it is a good, it, it's a good best picture winner. I can understand why it won. Um, and it, it is very intense. There are, it's, some very impressive cinematography and shooting going on here. There's so. no camping in this movie. Wait, what? What'd I say? Intense. There's no camping. <laughs> God. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> oh no, did I miss the joke? Yes. <laughs> Where did you go? <laughs> Brett said... Oh. Just so the audience, in case they also missed it, Brett said it's a very intense movie. And I said, there's no oh. camping in this movie. <laughs> oh, God love you. <laughs> this is why we keep bringing you on, I guess. <laughs> you How many of us have seen this in a theater setting? Oh, yes, I have. I bet that is very cool, though. It was interesting because it was very long. <laughs> and there was like, let's see, it was me, it was Maddie, and it was like two other old people, and that was it. Yep, sounds about right. Yeah. No, I like this a lot. I watched, the first time I watched this, y'all, was on a VHS on a TV that had a built-in VHS player. Ooh. Yeah. Impressive. So I've seen this quite a bit of times. It's good. It does go by very fast, I will say very technically incredible like the plane scenes i mean risky as fuck yeah. and then there's a scene in the club that uh ryan johnson would then get inspired by for the last jedi anybody Ooh. anybody mm -hmm. okay brad how do you not know this i i don't know i don't know I'm one of those people who thinks like I love Star Wars, but I also think like a lot of people consider it one of the best series ever, and I I don't completely agree. So basically, there's just know. the camera just goes from one table to the main character's table, and it literally at this point I don't know how they did it. They probably broke the tables in half. It's incredible. <laughs> Watch the Last Jedi because there's directly like the same shot by shot sequence for it. I will send you a link later. <laughs> and you will. Damn it, I was going to beat me to the joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a roll tonight. <laughs> yeah, you literally beat me to the joke. I was going to say something. But no, uh, Wings is a very good movie. It is a very good, f if you're considering it the first winner without having Sunrise there, it's good. It's very decent. It's a good starting off point for all of this. The reason why I think it won is because we are just not even 10 years, I guess, after World War I, but it's still fresh in people's minds. Seeing this type of aerial footage is like, whoa, this is so fucking cool. This is like the best movie I've seen all these two years now, because this is 1929 when all these things are winning. But it's very good, and I appreciate that it is very gay. So there's that, yeah. So I have a couple points. I think another great scene in this is the swing scene at the beginning when they're like swinging back and forth and you just kind of think oh there's probably just like a like a green screen sort of thing behind them right and then you see what's his name come in his car 
And they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And so God, and then he fucking comes into the foreground. You're like, holy shit, they were just filming this like this the whole time? Yep. And that's when you know you're in for a ride for the rest of the movie. Good point. Um, secondly, I think this is an underrated Best Picture winner. And I did my re-ranking of my Best Picture winners after re-watching this. It's now in my top 25. I think it's that good. Though I am someone who says that they got majority of the winners wrong. Um, and for it to be a war movie. That and for it to be a war movie, because I fucking... Listen, it does have that war propaganda feel to it, but, like, they weren't planning on another war for a bit. So I don't think that was exactly on their minds, and I think the director just wanted cool aerial shots, which I support cool aerial shots. Don't necessarily yeah. support how he did it, because the, the man died. But... Yeah. Um, and my third point is, I think it's interesting how... This is the film that won uh, Best Picture and Sunrise won the best, like, unique, whatever. Because it was back in 2019 when they wanted to do the popular, 2018, <laughs> when they did want to do the popular picture thing or whatever. Um, I think it would have been switched because a movie like Sunrise would have won Best Picture while a movie like Wings would have won Most Popular Picture. Yeah, definitely. Just interesting how it wings would also be that one to win like sweep the night with eight awards and again mm-hmm. not oh, yeah. really the best it would have been it yeah. would have been the gravity of that year yeah yeah definitely. listen to their 2013 episode where they cover gravity you're welcome you guys <laughs> love it one point i forgot to mention and i can't believe i forgot because it is my biggest criticism of the film probably way too many inner titles in those aerial scenes like mm. they narrate every single thing and I'm like, okay, just take a minute. Just let me enjoy this. I get you're trying to make sure I can follow it. Okay. It's not hard to follow an aerial scene. It, it's, it's not, it's not. There are way too many inner titles in that scene. And you feel I wouldn't like say it takes me out of it, but. Do you feel like it was like cutscenes though? To could like have been. Clean That's up true. Some editing. That's a good point. That could be, that could be. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, mm. Zay, do you want to go over our fun facts for this one? I sure can. Had two Oscar wins for Best Picture and Best Engineering Effects. Which I'm, I'm thinking that's today's modern visual effects. Yeah. I think so. Um, the first and only silent film to win until The Artist in 2012. Although well, The Artist does not quite count because it does have some sound. Um, yeah, we mentioned that there were two incidents occurred with the aerial sequences. One where a plane did not turn the way it should have and broke the pilot's neck. He came back to work six weeks later, though. I, re- I did learn that. And the other one leading to a death. He did not come back to work. <laughs> read, read the what happened with but, it. But the like, army what? held that pilot responsible and not Wellman. What? That's fucking crazy. Oh. First off, how do you break your damn neck in 1927 and come back six weeks later? That's <laughs> stunt, wild. Stunt people. Wow. Um, dogfight scenes had to be delayed until the literal clouds rolled in. <laughs> yeah, the dog- I understand yeah. Wellman was like, you can't tell the sense of time passing without some cloud. Yeah. Or like how fast they were going. Yeah. Um, and they were like, where's the, where's the dailies? And he was like, I gotta wait for the clouds. <laughs> the U.S. military provided thousands of soldiers, equipment, and some planes. 
played in theaters for 63 weeks. Many thought it po its popularity surged because of Charles Lindbergh's successful transatlantic flight. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard that name in a while. How do you think he's doing? <laughs> uh, Clara Bow didn't like her outfits because it didn't show off her figure, nor did she like being in this because she knew it was merely, de <laughs> it was merely decorative. Well, was she's not in much of this. True. No. She's not. And it was the first Gary Cooper. Yes, Mr. Gary Cooper. Very um, First film for Edith Head. That's awesome. Who was Edith Head for those casual listeners? Um, the greatest, the greatest costume designer Hollywood ever had. Like not even up for debate. No. So. With White Christmas, those dresses in White Christmas. Edith Head. <laughs> yeah let's go ahead and rank the nominees here um so we decided to rank these all together between the two categories you can kind of you know we could take that as we will from which film we would have win each um i'll start yeah it's christian do you want to take us away yes because of similarities in certain things so <laughs> my number seven is the one i don't remember about did i even watch it it's the racket <laughs> Number six is Chang 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 with the Elephants. Truly a drama of the wilderness. Number five, The Circus. Number four, Wings. Let me just say, Wings would have been number one way back before I saw any of the other ones. So number three is Seventh Heaven. Number two, The Crowd. And number one, Sunrise. Absolutely incredible film. All right, I'll go second this time and then Zay can take us away. Um, so my number seven is Chang. My number six is The Racket. Um, and, and from here on, it's the exact same as Christian. Number five is The Circus. Number four, Wings. Number three, Seventh Heaven. Number two, The Crowd. And number one is Sunrise. All right, for my list, just click the little 15 seconds back because mine's the same as Brett's. <laughs> <laughs> oh true <laughs> wow this has got to be the most uniform rankings we have had between the three of us except somebody had to be different and it was you this time Who not me <laughs> and once again like we've been doing for the last few episodes toby um former coast of ours who's been on a few episodes and will be joining us again before too long uh did do an overall ranking between the three of us taking our average so christian would you like to reveal those results this did not take him long at all i, I was gonna say that the only difference is gonna be at the bottom and you can probably guess what that is but i mean, I mean yeah. it's just the same list that brett and i gave yep, the yep. Same <laughs> list too. it's chang the racket the circus wing seventh heaven the crowd and the winner by far is sunrise a song of two humans yeah as it should i be. would i would like to go as far to say sunrise a song of two humans is my favorite best picture we have covered Oh, okay. Fuck Casablanca, Dragos. I like Casablanca a lot. But I think Sunrise edged it out this time for me. Yeah, I can't be too upset with that. Sunrise is, it's amazing. Okay, so yes, now we do have a feature. This is the only time you're going to hear this for this episode, most likely. Um, so since this was the year where we had two best picture categories we wanted to go over what we think we would personally choose 
for best unique and artistic production if the award still existed in the 2010s. And so I think the three of us probably had different ways of going about this. Um, I know like I set some guidelines for myself because I tried without doing that and it just didn't work. Um, how do we want to do this? Do we want to go year by year where all three of us go or do we want to just have one person go all the way through? I, I like to year. do year by year. Okay, cool. So um, I'm going to preface, I'll start us off. I'm going to preface with what I did just so that I can make a little bit of sense of this. So my personal rules is that I want to do just something from my top 10 of the year, of each year, because if it's going to win a best picture S prize, it's got to be one I love. Um, could not be my number one of the year because that would probably go to best picture. Um, and then I decided not to do any best picture winners simply because when I first started, I had like three of them in there. And so I'm like, I want to be a little more original. So I threw those out. And last but not least, um, trying to define, I, I tried to do something either that I found very artistic or somewhat unique or a little bit of both in some way. So for 2010, I know Christian's going to hate this. Zay, you might hate this too. My best unique and artistic production is Inception. We don't need to do any more of that. <laughs> Oh my unique. God. You can't argue it's unique. The plot of that film for a blockbuster, very unique. Great. Now, now we got the Nolan heads jerking off in the audience. <laughs> just wait till I get to Dunkirk. Just, no, I'm just kidding. Just, I don't have Dunkirk. I don't. Have Dunkirk. Wow, is 2020's Tenet for you? <laughs> Infecting your friends and family to go see Tenet, Brett? Uh, you know what? No, no, hell no. No. Um, so for my how I decided to pick them, basically I had a similar thing where I was like, okay, it has to be a like. And I keep try to keep yearly lists. Um, some of these are not as nuanced as when I started Letterboxd. Um, it's like pre two thousand fifteen. These are kind of just like I was into movies. I haven't like done like retrospectives too hard on them. Blah 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 blah. Um, but my two thousand ten, I picked Mary and Max the animated Australian film. Nice. Because I cannot think of a single film like that movie. I think that was my biggest criteria was, can I think of another film like this one? Especially from that year. Nice. Um, so my sort of criteria, I sort of asked Zay for a little bit of help in understanding this. So really, again, for me, like you, have I seen something like this before? I also like to be totally amazed by it that I'm still thinking about it to this day, all these years later. Mm -hmm. um, there is only one Best Picture winner in my list here. So I, I did stick to if I really wanted to put some Best Picture winners in here. So there's one because I think it's unique. But for 2010, it is Black Swan. See, and my thought was that if the Oscars were going to give that award that year, I think they might have gone with Black Swan. Yes. I yeah. mean, that movie sticks with me all these years later. That was like one of the first indie art house films. Like I went to an art house theater to see that with my dad. Mm -hmm. And uh, that one scene with me and <laughs> and her was very interesting with the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I only picked one film that was even nominated for Best Picture for mine. Ooh. Ooh. All right. 
Awesome. So 2011, um, I went with one that may not seem unique at first, but it's definitely artistic. And I actually, I, I do think I haven't seen another film quite like it. It's one that I just saw this last year and it is A Separation. Ooh. Yeah. That is a great movie. I can't find my mouse. It's fine. Um, for 2011, I... I think it's Thai. I think it's a Thai film. Yeah. Um, Uncle Boom Nee, who can recall his past lives, which if you've never seen it, I can't describe it to you. <laughs> Just fucking watch it. I think it's, that one, like the Palm Door or something like that. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Mine is the best picture winner of 2011. It is the artist. Yep. Yeah. Me See, and I- me in high school being so fucking blown away actually sitting and seeing us. I saw this before I saw Wings in theaters. Just seeing like my first quote silent film in a theater was mesmerizing. I was blown the fuck away. Artist is a good one though. I'll give it that. Yeah. I had the artist until I decided not to do best pictures. So. And I will say whenever we get to 2011, the artist is not my personal best picture winner. Ooh. Yes. So, but All I will right. save that. <laughs> awesome so moving on to 2012 a year we have covered um i went with a film that makes me think a lot on a level that not many films do and it is pta's the master okay i have to look at the director real quick um so for 2000, uh, 2012 i picked um Sorry. I want to get the name right. Pamela oh, Anderson. Stop. <laughs> um, um, wow, I'm just blanking now. Sorry. Um, my pick for 2012 is This Is Not a Film, a documentary by and about um, Jafar Panahi, who was... Not allowed to make doc. Not allowed to make films by Iran's government wardens, and then got it to can I think through a cake. He put it on a USB drive in a cake. Okay. It's not. It's not a movie to like sit down and enjoy. Its existence alone is like holy shit. That's my choice. All right. We're on 2012, right? Yep. Yeah. Again, we've covered this year, and believe it or not, this is it for me. It is the short animated feature Paper Man. Oh. Yes, if we're talking unique and artistic, yeah. it's Paper Man. In such a short amount of time, it does a whole lot with what it, give, what it gives us, you know? Mm-hmm. Great little romance there. All right. So for 2013, I went with a film that we recently talked about. We just did the 2013 episode. Um, this is one that I think was unique in that it felt a lot smaller than it was, um, felt very much like an indie and it was in some ways, but also had some pretty big stars and very acclaimed director and it's in black and white. It is Nebraska. My heart and soul. Um, you did put my little bit in there, right? Yes, it's in there. Okay, good. Um, my 2013 pick is a little different. I picked um, The Act of Killing, uh, 
Oh, oh. a documentary film about the uh, people who participated in Indonesian mass killings. It's unique. You can't say it's not unique. Nope. Two docs so far. I like it. Listen, docu. I think documentaries would have a great time if this category was still around, because there's so many documentaries out there that really push the boundaries of filmmaking. Yeah, animated films too. I think they would both like. They don't get love in the the regular best picture. I think this would be their shot. Yep. Mine is her. Yep. <laughs> That's that it. was that was my next one. Yep. Honestly, unique artistic. What more do you got there? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I I feel like I, I compared to your guys's answers. I'm just like I know. I, did I get the prompt wrong? I knew this would be the case though, just because I know you've seen so many unique films I haven't seen. So. All right, 2014 may not come off as unique at first because of the director's very, you know, typical style, but I think this is like by far the best he's done. Uh, it is Wes Anderson's The Grand Budapest Hotel. Very unique, very artistic on its own. Okay, so 2014, I had a little harder deciding. I don't know what it was, but I ended up with a movie that Brett hates. Oh. Stranger by the Lake. I. <laughs> Three stars. <laughs> you I hate like it. it. Homophobia. You gave more to Stranger by the Lake. You gave more to Blue is the Warmest Color. Come on, Brett. You know what? Adele just connected in that. She was great in that. You movie. can't say Adele. I, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. <laughs> we are recording this on August 30th. You know what happened when we say the word Adele. <laughs> She's in the news and it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. All right, Christian, what do you got? Mine is Brett's, the Grand yep. Budapest Hotel. I have deciding between that or Whiplash, but mm-hmm. Grand Budapest it was. I got to ask. So since this was a really interesting year in which the two Best Picture frontrunners were both very unique, if this category existed, who do you think gets best unique and artistic? Is it Boyhood or is it Birdman? Birdman. Interesting. Boyhood. I honestly don't know. Yeah. I think I, Birdman would get best picture. Boyhood would get best artistic. Yeah. I could see it either way. I don't know. I think Birdman would get artistic and Budapest would win best picture. Oh, so nothing for Boyhood. Okay. All right. So 2015, this is actually, this one might actually be my one of my most unique on the list, if not the most. It is the sci-fi film Ex Machina. You don't seem happy with that pick. I'm interested. No, I am. I'm just <laughs> runner up, let's just say. For my 2015, I picked Tangerine, mm. a movie. I, I knew dearly. you. I knew you would pick that. Wow. You just think you know me? Yeah. My runner, I would like to say my runner up because it was there before I realized Tangerine came the same year, is this movie called Victoria, which is mm. what Birdman thinks it is. And it was actually shot in one take. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things about it. My 2015 is, look, I did not like any other ones in this series. And then Mad Max Fury Road came along and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so it's Mad Max Fury Road. I'm sorry. Yeah. The only reason I didn't put it, like I would literally put it, but it, it would be my best picture instead. So And it wouldn't be mine. So haha. Yeah, there we go. Now 2016, I have a feeling all three of us did the same thing. 
did we? Okay, so Zay didn't do the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I originally was going to go with La La Land, but then I thought, ah, you know, the one that just sticks out a little bit more to me as a little bit more maybe unique and artistic is OJ Made in America. As far as like a doc that is like a series, but still just completely feels like its own film altogether. Um, and made a topic that had been talked about for what seemed like ages feel like new and fresh. So there's my doc choice. So 2016 is the only one where I have a best picture nominee go for this award and I give it to Arrival. Good pick. I'm well, sorry, that movie made over $100 million and it wasn't like any alien movie anyone else had ever seen and it tricked people into those theater seats to see an art house movie. It deserves it. I'm interested to see what you're going to say now, Christian. Well, I thought we were all going to be on the same page, but <laughs> I, I guess not. Uh, but I went with La La Land. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I know people have said, I've seen this before, I've seen this before, but to me, every musical is something different, okay? And something that's inspired by it, even, even though it is inspired by a lot of other things, to me, it was something new, something exciting, something unique and artistic. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that being the best picture frontrunner. I think you could even like put best picture here, Moonlight. That was actually my, one of my first choices, but there's a best picture winner, so I didn't go with it, so... Beyonce's Lemonade was my backup. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's good. Uh, so 2017, I actually struggled with quite a bit. Um, at first, I was going to go with War for the Planet of the Apes, but it's a sequel, so I can't say it's unique. Um, <laughs> so I actually went with Lady Bird because I just don't think we see that many personal dramas about you know, teenage women made by a woman and especially one that's recognized by the Academy in the way that it was. So there you go. Um, this is my third documentary. I picked uh, Dawson City Frozen Time. Oh. Which I found, you know, you find old footage, you made a whole ass new movie. Yeah. Good one. That's a very underseen movie too. Everyone see Dawson City Frozen Time. I don't stop thinking about it. <laughs> And I made a mistake. I do have two Best Picture winners on this list. And this is the next one. It is The Shape of Water. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Yeah. It's my so runner unique. Up, I know. My runner-up would have been Coco. Yeah, but thought about that too. It's The Shape of Water. I love it so much. Very nice. Well, speaking of Coco, for 2018, this was the one that I didn't even have to think twice about. I did go with an animated film, and it's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse some of the most unique animation ever. I know that Spider-Man is a tired entity, but I've never seen animation like that before. So easy pick. For 2018, I did go with a movie I had never seen before and I have not seen a movie like it since. Sorry to bother you. Oh, yeah. Very unique. Very unique and very artistic. Was anybody else thinking Paddington too? <laughs> It's a sequel. I love that bear. That's best picture. True. Yeah. And it's also my best picture winner. So mine is one that should have gotten the best picture nomination. And it is if Beale Street could talk. Yep. I was thinking yes. about that one too. Yep. Absolutely. It's on the level of like sunrise. Absolutely beautiful. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Maybe 2019 we have all on the same page. No, no we don't. definitely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you even like the movie I'm going to pick. Yeah, you know, 2019, I would have went with Parasite if it wasn't my number one and my best picture winner, maybe. Uh, but I went with Uncut Gems. And it may just be that I haven't seen another Safety Brothers movie, but truly have not seen much else quite like it. I went in a different direction. I picked The Lighthouse. Oh, yep. yep, there it is. <laughs> I like The Lighthouse. That's a good pick. I'm sorry. Name one other movie <laughs> like The Lighthouse. Why just fill your beans? <laughs> you can literally do the episode of SpongeBob where him and Mr. Krabs are doing the night shift. <laughs> you know, actually, um, the, the similarities between Willem Dafoe and the Flying Dutchman SpongeBob <laughs> in that movie—I could see it. Oh shit! Mine is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I mean, come on. That was my number two. Yep. I love that movie. Don't get me wrong. But that's also my best picture winner. Yeah. I'm sorry, Parasite. You're good, but you're not you're not a portrait of a lady on fire, good. And that's what I'm gonna leave it at. All right. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I it was interesting to see the direction you all went. And I yeah, I think we only had one where uh two of us lined up. So a lot of variety in there too. So that's nice. Perfect. Now to move on to our final segments, one we all love and enjoy, our personal nominees and winners for the year. I guess the honorable mentions are chocolate. I always forget the honorable mentions. (laughs) Damn it. We're only doing one episode. You know, I was going to say, we should call this like honorable slash dishonorable because we've got a few on here that are like, oh, or at least one. Yeah. But yes, honorable mentions. Uh, first one here, The Cat and the Canary. We actually talked about the 1939 version. but I like the 1939 version more. All right. A little bit I, more, I, yeah. I like this one, though. It is good. It is worth seeing. All right. Uh, next, we have this the 1920s version of Chicago, um, this version of the Best Picture winner. It is interesting to see this without music. <laughs> I imagine so. <laughs> Uh, next, we have Children of Divorce. Taste. Uh, Taste. I'm not a big fan. Christian is. It's an interesting. It's interesting. It's very short. So, uh, next we have College. Busta Keaton does blackface. Oh, oh yeah, that's the one you were talking about. Okay. Uh, next we have The Farmer's Wife, which was an Alfred Hitchcock movie. And it's not good. But there's a lot of dogs. Oh, I like dogs. Are they abused? <laughs> No, they're just running. Next, we have It. Bet you didn't know that Stephen King based his book on this film that came first. It's pretty incredible what they do with Pennywise here. I mean, like for 1927. No, just kidding. Uh, This is a a romantic comedy with Clara Bow, who is excellent in this movie. And And this is where we get the term It Girl from. Yes. Uh, next, we have The Jazz Singer, which is obviously very famous because it is often considered the first talking picture, though that is up for debate in some ways. It's not good. Oh. Not good. Hi. Yeah. Mm. Look, 
look, mm. if the blackface stuff was taking it was taken out totally, this would have been an interesting movie because it has a compelling story of like, no, my son, you have to be a canter. No, mom, I just want to sing. Mm. Just watch the movie with the owl then. <laughs> I love to sing. Yeah. Much That's better. Uh, next we have the kid brother. Harold Lloyd. It was mm. fine. Uh, next on the list is The Last Command, one of the films for which Emil Jannings won Best Actor. He is very, very good in it. I will say. It's a quite good film. It is. Very interesting movie. Uh, we have another Hitchcock film, The Lodger, A Story of the London Fog, which I loved. Uh, yes, it's one of his time. best early ones. Yeah. You can tell that he'd do a lot of good suspenseful stuff later on. Yes. That's it's why The already... Farmer's Wife doesn't work. It's like a romantic comedy, kind of. Ooh. But it's over two hours long. Ooh. And you're like, just kiss. <laughs> uh, next we have Lonesome. Fantastic. Simple love story. Mwah. All right. I watched it this morning. Ugh. There's a moment where they like speak in that and that mm-hmm. brought me to, I was like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next, we have the man who laughs. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like one of the performances here partially inspired the Joker. Yes. Character. One Very of the first silent films I've watched. Ooh. Uh, next, we have a very famous and influential one, uh, Metropolis from Fritz Lang. Uh, incredible. Man. It's incredible. That's and all you can say. Masterpiece. Holds the fuck up in 2020. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like has yes. the same message, has the same message that we're still trying to understand and fight today. Now this next movie, is this also about 2020? Uh, I can't remember. I don't even remember this movie very well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, is it? Yeah, it's Russian Revolution. Yeah, so, it's Russian Revolution. Isn't yeah. it Eisenstein? It's Eisenstein, yeah. It's, it mostly says October, 10 days that shook the world. I'm Whatever happens in October, I'm ready. <laughs> Yeah, it is an Eisenstein movie. I put on here because that film class I mentioned earlier, this is one that we watched, and oh, it, it's a lot to sit through. <laughs> I think. They're talking about me again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, we have Sadie Thompson, um, a film from Gloria Swanson, who we talked about from Sunset Boulevard. She's really good here, as is Lionel Barrymore. Lionel Barrymore's good, yes. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Speedy, a very, very good funny comedy with Harold Lloyd that I love. I loved it. And then Babe Ruth just shows up in it. I was yeah. like, I didn't know this. I was, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I texted Christian, like, all caps, Babe Ruth. And I, I like, ignored it in all caps. And I thought, I thought he was just an actor at first. I was like, oh, that's the, that's the man. Right? Like, I wasn't expecting the actual Babe Ruth. Luke Gehrig is in it, too, briefly. Yeah, I did read that. It's interesting. Uh, next, we have Steamboat Bill Jr. from Buster Keaton from this year, one of his more popular ones. The one where the infamous house falls on him and he mm-hmm. survives. Yeah. I like it. It's not one of my favorites from him, but I like it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, next, we have The Student Prince in Old Heidelberg. It is an Ernst Lubitsch production, and it is just a nice little comedy Norma Shear is in it. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
Uh, next, we have The Town Rat and the Country Rat. This is a Russian animated film that's stop motion and it's used with taxidermy rat puppets. <laughs> that's amazing. It's on YouTube. I love this man. He also does like, he also has like bug ones, like a bug's Christmas or something. This man was weird. I want to talk to him. Interesting. Okay. This was like my one find of really weird. (laughs) That is, that is quite weird. (laughs) Next we have Trolley Troubles, which is the first appearance of Walt Disney. And I've never seen this pronounced. How do you pronounce it, Christian? Of Iwerks. Of Iwerks. It's literally how it looks. Okay. I didn't expect it. All right. Uh, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Uh, next, we have Underworld uh, from Joseph von Sternberg, correct? Oh, it's not that. It's not the vampire movie? Oh, no. Yes. With, uh, exactly. what's her name? Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbie? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's on Underworld. This is a crime movie. Better than The Racket, but it's just fine. Not surprised. Uh, next, we have the unknown Todd Browning film featuring um, Lon Chaney and Joan Crawford. Very good. Very That's underrated. Very good. And then we have The Way of All Flesh, uh, for which Emil Jennings, the second role he won the Oscar for, it is now lost, unfortunately. Except for two scene, two shots. The two shots are on YouTube. One of them is a very kind man who is projecting the film and he's just filming it with his iPad and you can see his reflection. God. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I appreciate you. You're doing your best. Doing the work. Yep. And yeah, that is our list of honorable mentions. Not as long as it has been lately. Um, mm-hmm. no, way back. No, no minute of horror from Zay. <laughs> this is true. All right, now we can go through personal wins and nominations. Okay, so how did you guys do this? Uh, what Brett told me to do. What did Brett tell you to do? Brett didn't tell me shit. To be fair, I didn't tell you to do anything. I said this is how I was going to do it, and you can do it this way if you want to. I basically just did it. Was this in the group chat? Did I miss this? I can't remember, honestly. It might have been. I don't know. Brett, when I been through text. No, I, I, my thoughts going to this was like, let's just do it however each of us want to, and we'll see what the hell happens. And okay. I personally, that's just the best way to go into it. Basically, so. how I did it was I took the movies eligible for 1927 and the movies eligible for 1928 and smushed them together and combined them. Yeah, that's pretty much what I did. Oh, that's not what I meant. That's perfectly fine. Like I said, my plan for this, <laughs> my plan for this was let's just roll with it. Uh, and see what happens. I always like having more differences between our three lists anyway. So cool. Um, so starting off with best original screenplay. See, this is where we're different. <laughs> I just did screenplay. You just did screenplay? Okay. Well, listen, you, what, what you, did you complained do? about 1943 being confusing, and I was like, I'm not even going to touch 27, 28. I actually did a little more research this time. I've only got two original screenplays. See? And if one no, of them is doesn't... adapted, I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> and honestly, I, I neither got... of them would make my adapted list anyway. So I have three separate lists. So... Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> okay. So my, do you want me to go? Sure. I love start this. Us, start us off and we'll see what happens. All right. So my original screenplay, I have five of these for everything. So I had no Ooh. trouble here. Ooh. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> the Last Command, number four, The Circus, Steamboat Bill Jr., number two, Speedy, and number one, The Crowd. Hold on here. Unlike you two, I research, okay? I thought Speedy was based on a story. Name five stories. <laughs> it has to be based on five stories in order for it to be. What the hell is this movie called? Speedy, thank you. 1928. This is always hard because, like, IMDb says The Last Command was based on a story, too, so I thought it was adapted. I can never tell when their original stories are lot, so I just always like, whatever. I don't know. I'll let you keep it because they're not on my they're not on my adapted list anyway. Thank you. So, I don't know. I, I had two original screenplays. I had the circus and Steamboat Bill Jr. So if Speedy is not adapted, then it's actually my number one. Go Speedy. All right, let's go on to adapted screenplay. And for Zay, what will be screenplay? They're probably all adapted anyway. Uh, <laughs> probably are. Christian, do you want to take us away here as well? Yes. Number five, The Lodger, a story of the London fog. Number four, Metropolis. Number three, Chicago. Number two, Seventh Heaven. And number one, Sunrise, a song of two humans. All right, I'll go next. Um, my number five is The Lodger, Story of the London Fog. My number four is Seventh Heaven. My number three is The Crowd. My number two is Sunrise. And my number one is Metropolis. Like we said, still relevant. Is The, is the Crowd adapted? Is it not? <laughs> I'm going to be so mad if it's See not. See, you guys, this is why I kept in one category. Because this is what we do every time i'm gonna figure this out <laughs> i really hope i'm right this time it is it says henry ben wrote the adaptation adaptation of <laughs> <laughs> i don't know whatever i saw adaptation i'm like okay so it must be adapted from something so. i saw adaptation too i wasn't a fan of Marilyn in that movie <laughs> jesus Wow. Zay, what do you got? Okay, so for my five screenplays, right down the middle, five, Lodger, four, Seventh Heaven, three, The Crowd, two, Metropolis, one, Sunrise. Are we sure The Crowd is a screenplay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm done. I'm out. I'm starting my seance over here. Well, at least it gets easier from here, unless one of us decides to commit category fraud. Oh, these are all going to be category fraud. <laughs> okay, this is also, this time I just went with the Academy. I didn't do supporting. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, okay. I, I should have clarified. I'm sorry. See? My bad. See? I, did... <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is what we're going to do. Listen, it's also hard. Listen, it's hard for me to figure out what's a good actor or not when they're not speaking. That's true. I, this is I, a, I agree This with is that. a style of acting we're not used to. So it's hard to say what's good and what's not. We didn't need faces. And then <laughs> no, you did need faces. Talk, talk, talk. <laughs> well, I apologize. I should have been clear when we were preparing for this. Well, this is I'm a weird just- year. I'm just going to sit over here and enjoy your supporting nomination. Going to heckle us over there. Christian, best supporting actor. Look, there's a reason why supporting didn't exist for like the first seven years, okay? This is hard. It is See, hard. that's also why I didn't do it. So number five, I got William Powell for The Last Command. 
Number four, I got Rudolph Klein Rolgi for Metropolis. He's the evil doctor, mm-hmm. scientist, whatever. Number three, I have Warren Warner Oland for the jazz singer as the father. Number two, I have a Gene Herschelt for the student prince in Old Heidelberg. And my winner is Richard Arlen for Wings. He is uh, the more macho buff mm. one. Yeah, mine's almost completely different. Um, I've got Burt Woodruff for Speedy, Ernest Torrance for Steamboat Bill Jr., William Austin for It, who is actually the friend. He's not the main male lead. Uh, number two, I have Rudolph Klein Rogie for Metropolis. And number one, I have Lionel Barrymore for Sadie Thompson. All right, Christian, what do you got for Best Supporting Actress? All right, I got number five, Joan Crawford for The Unknown. Number four, Clara Bow for Wings. Ooh. Number three, Margaret Livingston as the woman from the city in Sunrise. Number two, Eugenie Brezer as the mother from The Jazz Singer. And my winner is Brigitte Helm for Metropolis. Hmm. Uh, like category fraud galore in that, but I mean, I got to fill some spots. Oh, she, I think she's definitely supporting. She's, she disappears for a lot of the movie. Uh, so my number five is Marie Alt for The Lodger. Number four is Margaret Livingston for Sunrise. Number three is Clara Bow for Wings. Number two is Eleanor Boardman for The Crowd. That might be category fraud. Uh, number one is Brigitte. How do you say how do you say your name? Brigitte. 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 Yeah. Brig- Brigitte Helm for Metropolis. I agree there. Dual but roles. Probably, Two roles. Probably Brigitte actually, because sound of uh, music. Yeah. Brigitte. Yeah. All right, next we got Best Leading Actor. Christian, do you want to take us away here? Yes. Okay, so number five, I have Lon Chaney for The Unknown. Number four, James Murray for The Crowd. Number three, George O'Brien for Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. Number two, Charles Farrell for Seventh Heaven. And my winner is Emil Jannings for The Last Command. It's too bad that he turned into a Nazi. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, ouch. Well, my number four is five. Wait, is we're Charles talking F- about it in real life, right? Yeah. Okay, I was like, did I miss that part of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> my number five is Charles Farrell for Seventh Heaven. My number four is Harold Lloyd for Speedy. Uh, my number three is James Murray for The Crowd. Number two is George O'Brien for Sunrise. And my number one is also Emil Jannings for The Last Command. Deserving winner. All right, this is where I come back in. Number five, we have James Murray for The Crowd. Number four, Buster Keaton for Steamboat Bill Jr. Number three, Emil Jannings for The Last Command. Number two, Lon Chaney for The Unknown. And number one, which neither of you put at all, Charlie Chaplin for The Circus. Yeah. Listen, he's good. I, he's, he's I good. Like, listen, I'm into it. I was mesmerized. I will stand beside the circus. <laughs> he's probably my six or seven. So we're signing Zay up for the greatest show on earth episode. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm not. I refuse. Oh, geez. 
I thought right. you were going to say The Greatest Showman episode. I, I did like, too. I thought that at first too. I'm like, we are not watching that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Christian, take us away with Best Leading Actress. All right, we got Eleanor Boardman for The Crown at number five. Number four, Janet Gaynor for Seventh Heaven. Number three, Phyllis Haver as the OG Roxy Hart in Chicago. Number two, Miss Gloria Swanson in Sadie Thompson. And number one is Janet Gaynor in Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. Was not ill. We didn't mention Street Angel. Street Angel was the other film oh. that she had won for, and it was yep. not in the mentions, but yes. Yeah, it's kind of like when Laura Dern did Little Women and Marriage Story, mm-hmm. but also earlier that year she had that, uh, what's his name, movie, The Racist, um, The Snow, they were in The Snow, Liam Neeson, Snow, oh, uh, Cold Pursuit. Cold Pursuit. Yeah. Cold Pursuit. I didn't know she yes. was in that. <laughs> He's in Cold Pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cold pursuit now. of Janet Gaynor's year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my number five, I had Esther Ralston for Children of Divorce. Uh, number four. Oh, so you like somebody in that. I said I like the performances. <laughs> number four, I split up Janet Gaynor's as well. I did uh, Janet Gaynor for Seventh Heaven. Number three, I have Gloria Swanson for Sadie Thompson. Number two. Janet Gaynor for Sunrise. Ooh. My number one is Clara Bow in It. Oh. Hmm. I love that performance. So much charisma and charm. I just didn't think she could like work her way out of the clown makeup. You know, I thought she was lost. Yeah. You know what? I just, I think she played those roles, both of them just perfectly. (laughs) Okay. So for best actress, I have number five, Joan Crawford for The Unknown. Uh, number four, Eleanor Boardman for The Crowd. Three, Ms. Gloria Swanson playing the titular Sadie Thompson. Number two, where I disagree, Brigitte Helm for Metropolis. Okay. And number one, Jana Gaynor winning double the prize in my heart for both Sunrise and Seventh Heaven. Hmm. Very nice. All right, best director. Christian, take us away. I have the one, the only Alfred Hitchcock for The Lodger. Uh, King Vidor at number four for The Crowd. F.W. Murnau and His Missing Head for Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. <laughs> William Wellman, number two for Wings. And my winner, coming in clutch last night, Fritz Lang for Metropolis. So mine's pretty similar. I have the same five people. Really? Uh, yes, I do. Different order, but same people. Uh, number five, I have King Vidor for The Crowd. Number four, I have Alfred Hitchcock for The Lodger. Number three, I have William A. Willman and his uncredited co-director, Harry something. Uh, number two, I have F.W. Murnau for Sunrise. And number one, I also have Fritz Lang for Metropolis. Yeah, I had to be the one that fucked up the, the <laughs> thing again. Um so number five, you should know, I don't have Alfred Hitchcock on my list. I have Charlie Chaplin for the circus. See, I'm the, I'm, I'm the person back in 1927 who was voting for the circus and they're like, well, fuck, we, we're just not gonna put it up there. <laughs> um, number four, King Vidor for the crown. Three, William A. Wellman for wings. Two, Fritz Lom for Metropolis. 
and number one, F.W. Murnau for Sunrise. All right. Moving on to our top category, our top 10 films of the year for best picture. Christian? Yeah, years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The year and a half. (laughs) Oh, believe me, if my separate list of 28 isn't even done because it doesn't include the passion of Joan of Arc, and that's Mm. true. Yeah. Okay, so for these years, the number 10 is The Unknown. Number nine is Steamboat Bill Jr. Number eight is The Last Command. Number seven, The Lodger, A Story of the London Fog. Number six, Wings. Number five, Seventh Heaven. Number four, The Crowd. Number three, Speedy. Number two, Metropolis. My number one winner, Chang. Chang Chang went the trolley. It is Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. So it was six uh, 1927 films and five 1928 films. Wait. Oh. Wait that's <laughs> well, that doesn't add up. <laughs> that's 110%. <laughs> six. Six 1927s. And four 1928s. Look, I watched a it's lot of late. 27s, okay? <laughs> All right. My number 10 is Wings. Uh, my number nine is The Last Command. Number eight is It. Number seven is Steamboat Bill Jr. Number six is Seventh Heaven. Number five is The Crowd. Number four is The Lodger, Story of the London Fog. Number three is Speedy. Number two is Metropolis, and number one is Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. I found mine interesting because I don't think I've had this many of the Best Picture nominees in my top 10 since, like, we did, like, 1950. (laughs) Um, So number 10, we have Speedy. Number nine, The Unknown. Number eight, The Lodger. Number seven, The Circus. Fuckers. (laughs) Number six, Wings. Five, Seventh Heaven, four, Lonesome, three, Metropolis, two, The Crowd, one, Sunrise. How about that? Second time in a row where Zay has joined us, where we've all agreed <laughs> on Don't Best Picture. Like that. And <laughs> like I'm part and of Best Picture conference. winner. Sunrise, best picture winner. I say basically what we're saying is if there was a choice between Wings and Sunrise, it's Sunrise. It's Sunrise. Yeah, it's Sunrise. It's Sunrise. Well, but Wings still deserve it of yeah. the award it got. Yeah. But we should also keep Sunrise in the conversation. Yes. Conversation, 1974, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> yeah, can't say I agree with folks who will list out best pictures and not include Sunrise because the Academy, you know, they did consider them two best picture categories basically, and it deserves to be mentioned. So awesome. Well, yeah, this is a little different this time. You know, this is going to be our only episode for these years. Um, and so, um, check, check out some of the honorable mentions. We went over most of the best picture nominees were good. And so check out some of those as well. And thanks for listening. Thanks to everybody who, um, you know, rate, review, and subscribes on Apple Podcasts. Take time to do that if you haven't already. If um, you have the time, we always appreciate that. 
You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram. Just search Gilded Films or The Gilded Films. Um, and as well as our website, gildedfilms.com. Thanks again to Joshua Arnoldi, as always, for doing our theme music. And Zay, thanks for joining us once again. Any final thoughts from you or things you want to promote? It's always a pleasure being on. Um, if you like drag, follow Vanity Rex on Assorted Social Media. Got stickers if you like what you see. Yes, they're very cool. Christian, final thoughts from you? That's about it. The next uh, next episode we'll do uh, pretty much make you an offer you can't refuse. I'm just going to leave it at that. And so we will talk to you then. Thank you.